Welcome back, everyone, to the Serial Killer Radio. As always, I am your host, Maddie Limerick, and today I have one of my favorite content creators, someone who broke Instagram with a Spider-Man photo many years ago, uh, who is one of my favorite content creators on Instagram and TikTok, and I hope he is one of yours. We have Tell Williams, the dreamy pre-K teacher. Tell, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good, good. The holidays have been well for you. Yeah, I mean, it was nice having a long break, right? <laughs> I, I, hear that. I I work in a, a theme parks and like high end entertainment, so we just came out of our busiest time. So like this week, it's been quiet, and I go, oh, this is so nice. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> so for anyone who is listening who might not know who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you kind of found your way to uh, social media fame, if you will. Right. Okay. So um, I'm a pre-K teacher. Um, I've been doing it for like nine years. Um, I, how did I find, how did I get into the social medias? Um, a few years ago, I, I, I dressed up like Spider-Man for school. I think that was like my first little hint of it. Um, and the, uh, I was wearing a, a spandex Spider-Man suit with um, sweats on over it. And my colleagues were like, Tell, take the sweats off. And I'm like, no, it's okay. And they're like, no, do it. And I was like, it's, it seems inappropriate. So I took a picture of it and sent it to our, my colleagues. And we were all laughing. We're like, yeah, we should probably keep it on. And then I put it on Instagram, just not thinking and, mm -hmm. and came back to it and it had a uh, blown up. So um, that was like a hint. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't anything too, too crazy. But um, my, my brother-in-law about a year ago, um, he kept sending me uh, TikToks. We had a, um, a group chat with my siblings and he kept telling me to make one. And I was like, I don't think I'm, I don't think that my funny translates on camera. I think it's just more of like an in-person thing. Um, but I was like, if I make one, then leave me alone. <laughs> so <laughs> I made one, um, it, it uh, went viral. I, I made it, went to bed woke up to about a hundred thousand followers and uh, like 500,000 views on it. And I was like, it's probably a fluke. So I made another one and, you know, 2 million followers later and a verified Instagram. And here we are. <laughs> I mean, what, what honestly was that like being like, I'm going to do this thing. It's, it's whatever it's, because, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic, I've talked to a lot of people and a lot of uh, fields and things. A lot of people were just starting to utilize TikTok because we were bored and everybody needed something to do. So what was that like actually like posting it, going to bed and waking up to 100,000 followers? Because most people will never even achieve that in like the span of, of social media. What what was that like for you? I, I was I, I mean, I was floored because I was like, OK, if the video hits a million views, maybe I'll, you know, this, this, or this. And throughout the day, my brother-in-law is texting me. He's like, oh, and I'm at work. And so I'm like trying to attend my students and my, my, my Apple watch is just like blowing up. And he was like, you hit a million. And I was like, what? Like, what is going on? Like, why? Um, that was a huge thing. I was like, why are people that interested in it? So I, I genuinely thought, I see so many, so many people on TikTok now and they have a really funny video mm -hmm. and then I go to their page and the rest of it, it does not matter. Garbage, and, garbage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was like, that's probably what this is for me. Like, I'm going to make really, one really funny one. I'm going to run out of ideas. It's fine. And um, I mean, 
people haven't gotten tired of me yet. Uh, that's not to say it's not going to happen, but. <laughs> well, I think you have this beautiful, uh, relatable way of saying what everyone who has ever worked in education thinks. Uh, very, you know, very much. I, uh, I followed you on, because oh, I'm a big superhero nerd. And yeah. so your Spider-Man picture kind of made the rounds of Instagram and, and like the gay rags on Facebook <laughs> loved it. So everybody was like, look at the super dreamy pre-K teacher. And everybody was like, oh, Spider-Man, woo. And so uh, uh, that's kind of the first time I saw you and I've been following you on Instagram since then. And as I saw you started posting your TikToks, I went, oh, okay, got to follow him. And uh it's i was teaching college at the time and it's one of those things that i went ha huh, teaching preschool and teaching undergrads is the exact same thing <laughs> in many ways uh, like you uh, there were a couple of them that you posted and i literally sent it to the rest of our grad students and was like uh, at least someone else is going through what we are going through today uh and so i just i it was it's you have this great way of kind of making it so relatable but also being like parents stop helicoptering around your kids your kids are not that special uh, you know it's it's just all these kind of wonderful things that i think makes your uh your content relatable to people who aren't even educators and just kind right. of the the broad sense of of social media but like it's you've added wigs you you know backdrops <laughs> storylines uh it's really kind of what do you what do you look for when now that you've kind of blown up in your your uh certifiably very funny uh so what what do you kind of do when you are going through this process of creating a TikTok or thinking oh that might be a funny idea what is that creative process like for you so i b before TikTok was even a thing before instagram was really like uh, super polished as it is now if we can call it polished yeah. i would upload on Facebook, I would I would write the stories of something that happened at work that day, mm -hmm. something funny that had happened. And so what I would do um, is I, I'll look at my Facebook and I'll write down, oh my God, I totally forgot that happened five years ago, six years ago. <laughs> so I now have like in my notes app, just a bunch of different stories. And so I'll look at what's going on right now, you know, in particular, if there's something that needs more advocacy to speak out against, and, and maybe not something humorous, I'll talk about that. If I feel things are really heavy right now, I'll be like, okay, I know that as a teacher, I could really use a funny story. Mm -hmm. So I'll go through and, and find that. And also, I mean, people tell me stories all the time about their administration or, um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of us have the same administrators or the same principles. Um, so then I'm like, you know, we have to poke fun at that too. Um, I don't want to do anything malicious. Nothing is ever mm -hmm. supposed to be malicious. I've had plenty of principals be like, yeah, you called us out. So <laughs> I think I just, I'm trying to advocate um, for a lot of people, but oh, I'm trying to advocate for educators. And if it's something that I feel like they'll enjoy or something that they might need that day, um, that's, what, that's what goes up. <laughs> and I also find people are going to be a little more open-minded because uh, I feel like I spent all of grad school and anybody who went to grad school with me who's listening is just kind of chuckle at this. I felt I, I found that I was fighting administration the whole time I was there because I was like, wait, that's fucked up. No, we can't do that. <laughs> uh, maybe it was being an older grad student, but I found that most of the time, any time that we found a way to make change was when people laughed at something first, when you didn't come in screaming and yelling, when you right. had that soft approach. And so I, you know, one of those things when they can go, yeah, we did get called out, but then it is a way for people to go, wait, 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 
let's talk about this. And I think there's a way that humor can bring that around versus necessarily always yelling because being disenfranchised groups and things, it's always, we want to yell. We, we feel like we have to yell because sometimes it's the only way people will listen. But I think there's other ways to kind of elicit that change with softness of tone sometimes. And I think humor can sometimes be that because, you know, after the last two years, just being a dumpster fire, we all want uh, we want uh, peace and soft safety. And I've been working with uh, groups to develop scripts and stuff. And everybody's like, the last thing we want is scripts about COVID. We don't want stories about COVID. We don't want to rehash the last two years. Um, So instead of rehashing two years, we're going to go back. We're going to go back to little tell, tiny tell. What were some, (laughs) uh, what were some properties growing up that you look back now as an adult that had kind of a direct influence on kind of this person that you are today? Uh, Movies, television, music, those kinds of things. What were some things that influenced adult you that you might not have realized then, but you you kind of look back and see now? Right. Um, I would say like my my parents for sure. I have I they were amazing, and so they have a huge influence on who I am today. Um, kind of my dark sense of humor. We did not have the picturesque childhood. Um, and there's so many like influencers and celebrities who are like, oh, we were just so poor or whatever, but like we had a yeah. childhood. I mean, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. And so I think having that sense of humor for my parents of, of being able to take some really dark situations and, and find some humor in that mm-hmm. was a huge thing. Um, when I was younger, my younger sister and I would, we would sneak into my oldest sister's bedroom when she was gone and we would take out her caboodle. Um, cause this was, you know, early mm-hmm, 90s mm-hmm, and we would, she had like hundreds of nail polishes in there and I was not to wear them. Of um, course. So what I would do is I would play with them. I would pretend that they were like, you know, people and looking back now, um, almost a year ago, I started having a conversation, um, with a, with someone I went to high school with who started, um, wanted to start a nail polish company. And so like, it's weird to see that now in, mm-hmm. in, in my realm of things. Um, and a lot of like pop culture back then, I, I talk about um, like Bewitched. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. why. Um, yes, absolutely. obsessed with Britney Spears um, as a child. Like I had, I specifically remember there was a giant poster in my room. I don't know where I even got this, but it was a Britney standing in front of a school bus with her hands in her pocket. I just like little stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, I think that kind of, and then like also I, growing up, I, and I talk about this quite a bit. I didn't have uh, the teacher that I w- wanted or needed, right? So I, I didn't have a single Latinx teacher until I was in high school. Um, and I had very few male teachers and I had no openly queer teachers at all um, in, yeah. in the slightest. And so I think that as an adult now, seeing what I needed at the time and and especially growing up in conservative um, Northern Indiana, it was, I, I, I would have killed to have that kind of uh, visibility or just the permission um, to be myself. And so uh, the days that I feel uncomfortable on social media or kind of maybe want to like take a step back and, and walk away from it, I think, damn, like I, I wish I had this. And I, uh, a couple couple weeks ago, went to go visit my old high school and talk to the um, 
the uh, what do they call it? The GSA, the yeah. the Gender and the Sexuality Alliance um, Club, and there was like thirty kids there, and I'm like, we didn't even have one the year yeah. that I was in school because we didn't have enough children who wanted to mm-hmm. do it. And so going back to, to the high school and and them just being like, we watch your your TikToks, and it makes us feel like this or like that, and I'm like, oh my god, like I thought it was just making people laugh, so I'm sitting there, you know, trying <laughs> to stop in front of these kids, and I'm like, oh my god, it was the most emotional day I think I've ever had in my life. Um, yeah, so I, it was just a bunch of these, a bunch of these little like things, kind of, I think, built what I'm doing now and who I am now. I think Samantha from Bewitched is a lot of uh, a lot of queer people's like moment in time. Yeah. Also, um, there's a great content creator. Oh, I forget his name now. He's on YouTube, but he breaks down like non queer things about their queerness and yeah. how they influence queer. And so, like Bewitched specifically, so many times was handling witches as the other but during yeah. that time also queer people were the uh-huh. other and the one of the actors who played darren was like famously closeted and like um uh the actress that played samantha was a huge ally of his and there were so many moments looking back on that show where they were fighting for civil rights human rights through that show in in a comic lens right. and it's not surprising to me that a lot of uh where people have bewitched as that moment. And then also being 90s babies, the the pop music boom that we had in, you know, it was almost, you know, it's, I feel like we talk about like Pokemon cards, but I feel like we had pop stars as Pokemon cards. It was like, no, I'm going to play Britney. No girl, I'm playing Christina. She's going to riff. She's going to take Britney out. And so it's one of those things that, that like we as like queer boys, I think specifically, or male, assigned male at birth folks, that we could hide with our male peers and bond with the female peers over pop music. And you'd be like, oh yeah, she's so hot, but just be like, no, there's something that speaks to us about like the female pop divas, especially because we have like the gay canon of divas. And you know, Britney is part of that. And every group of gays you speak with, they'll be like, well, Cher is the best. And it's like, oh, well, Bette Midler is the best because she can do everything. Um, so it's, it's, I always love when I have queer folks on and, and it's those moments of um, no matter kind of what our backgrounds are, we have those moments that are so similar in a lot of our journeys. Right. Uh, but you brought up your friend who wanted to start a nail polish company as someone who myself loves wearing nail polish. Uh, I love to make the Southern straights uncomfortable by having nail polish on, especially at work. Uh, especially now it's always funny because the wives will go, Oh my God, girl, what's that color? That's so lovely. And the husbands will go, yeah, those are nice nails. And it's like, ha 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 ha. Um, so you partnered quite a bit with boy toy what is your involvement with the company because i love the products i know it's super limited i've never been able to actually get my hands on any but the products are gorgeous i love what you all are doing tell us a little bit about your involvement with that company yeah so my my friend james is pretty successful at at making startups he just sold one of his startups a couple weeks ago um but he uh he's he's a straight white dude from northern indiana and he was saying that um, he was, uh, I was a freshman, he was a senior, so he was, mm-hmm. he was older than me. And uh, he reached out and said, hey, I've seen your TikToks. I see that you paint your nails. Um, I do too. Uh, I, I've, been, I've been wanting to uh, kind of get this uh, nail polish brand boy toy off the ground. Um, 
I, it's it's uh, important to me that you know pro some of the proceeds go to charities. Um, what is your gauge? Would you like to be involved in this? And I was like, yeah, no, absolutely. Like that sounds amazing. And through talking to him, he was like, you know, for me as a straight white dude in Indiana, if I didn't feel like I had the autonomy to to express myself how I wanted to, I can't imagine what it's like for um, marginalized people and and, and 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 you know, especially in these rural conservative spaces. And so. Um, we worked together. I, I came in before he had uh, launched it and we, uh, we picked out colors, we named the colors. Um, and then we, uh, what we would do is we would find an LGBTQ uh, charity mm -hmm. and uh, we would partner with them, give them kind of a platform to talk about what they do. And then we donated 10% of the proceeds um, from the bundle that they had uh, mm -hmm. to them. And so through that, I think we were able to do five uh, charities. Um, last year we started, I think, our first launch was in July. Um, they would sell out really fast, and so we, mm -hmm. we, and it was kind of like a test run, test run. We wanted to see if people had interest in it, you know. Um, so we kept selling out. So then we'd have to order more because we weren't expecting to sell out. And so um, this year we actually just had a meeting yesterday, and it's uh, being kicked up. Um, a lot more than it than it than it was. Um, I'll, I'm I'm going uh, to be now taking a uh, full time position uh, with them uh, and 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 partnering with him and um, just expand it. Uh, um, make sure that uh, queer children, especially. I mean, it's for everyone, right? I have mm -hmm. so many moms that buy it for not only themselves but then sometimes their kids, mm -hmm. but just. Um, specifically for those queer children out there who don't feel comfortable going into a store and buying it, um, um, who who feel more comfortable being able just to, to buy it online. Um, and then also know that, you know, we're donating to a good cause and not only that, but then we're also giving platform to it and, and, and talking about you know, not gendering something as yeah. simple as nail polish, right? I mean, Machine Gun Kelly and and Harry Styles and and all of these um, white male celebrities are applauded mm -hmm. for wearing nail polish and it's sexy and it's fun and it's cool. But the second a queer um, male presenting person wears it or, you know, uh, then it's deemed as a gay and mm -hmm. way for, you know, uh, homophobic slurs and such. So it's just of this course. weird double standard that um that we're hopefully trying to kind of break down i love that and i will say the pigments the colors you all have chosen are so good they look so saturated and wonderful on the nail because it's also like as someone who like i also have like a box of nail polish under my my bed i go to my local place every time i move i always try to find a local place where i can go get a good gel manicure but like finding a good durable nail color is also always very hard um so and every time you guys drop a line i'm always like oh god those look so good those are such a great color combo <laughs> um but also just from like a designs aspect how you all are approaching the website how you all are approaching marketing it's so good because there's nothing gendered it's black and white it's literally just presenting the product and people right. who wear the product and i think those two things are so important because also after I, you know, the last couple of years, I think with uh, this great movement on TikTok, especially of like younger queer people really yeah. owning this idea that we can put us, literally this idea of gender is so stupid and we should put it aside. Right. Um, you guys are kind of tapping into that in such a beautiful way to just sell the product and make a difference with that product. So 
much applause. And uh, as you're saying, I'm on the website literally right now. Everything is sold out. So everybody, make sure you go to boytoy.fun, uh, bookmark it, so that when that next line comes out, everybody can jump on it. Because I am I want to. I'm going to have to this next time. It looks so good. Um, but it's also, it's nice that I love that you're, you're, the business partner with you is a straight white guy who also just happens to like, it's the beautiful thing where I think we're now embracing things that make us happy. And yeah. like, I love when kids go, Oh, mister, I love your nail color. And I go, I do too. I love having, I love having colors on my, my hands, yeah. uh, you know, and it's, it's just so nice that parents are so bothered by it, but I get more compliments from younger kids than anybody yeah. else when I have nail color. And it always makes me, cause I remember like in high school, I did color guard and things that were traditionally effeminate. And so we would be at a competition. I go, someone paint my nails on board. And then I would always have to make that. Oh yeah. The girls, the girls made me do it. Oh yeah. It was a dare and all those things so that we can all, you know, we're at the point of even my very Southern evangelical mother always goes, Oh my God, your manicure looks so good. Right. What a good cat. <laughs> Um, I mean, my parents have come around beautifully, uh, yeah. as, 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 uh, one would hope they would, but, uh, yeah, I just, everybody needs to check out boy toy. That's so good. Um, you know, we talk about change. A lot of change has been coming yeah. in academia and social spaces. What are, what are some things that you're hoping we can continue to work? You know, anybody thing um listening at home even if you don't have kids in the school system where you're paying taxes what are some things that you would love to see kind of us to start shifting in schools and academia that could like better our communities that people could be involved with even if they don't have kids in schools i know it's a big question um, <laughs> i think we have and I, I mean i'm guilty of this and i and i and i never want to come across as the person who kind of knows it all or the teacher who does no wrong because for years and years and years if i didn't have a child who celebrated kwanzaa or hanukkah or um diwali or any of those things i we didn't learn about that because like my and for me i was like well, what's the point we don't have and and it's mm -hmm. stuff like that um that kind of um continues and and leads our community into a way of just being um everyone kind of looks like and so I, I think for me uh, something we can do is it's okay and there's books out there written by authors who are professionals and by social workers and by PhDs and by psychiatrists it's okay if you don't have any queer students in your classroom to learn about queer children it's okay if you don't have children who's experienced divorce to read a book about divorce it's okay if you don't have anyone who's Jewish to talk about Hanukkah or any other of those holidays, um, they're books about children of color, right? I mean, just because your classroom is all white does not mean that you're excused from being able to talk about okay. about race in your classroom, because that's actually a great place to start talking about it. Because if okay. you're looking around and all your children are white, that's a great time to talk about okay. other other children and what they might look like and, and the cultures that they come from, because that builds empathy. Um, and I think that starting there and 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 making your classroom more inclusive even if you don't feel like you have that demographic that is being represented in your classroom i think building empathetic children and and children and teaching them you know what tolerance and acceptance and equity not equality but equity is uh, i think that's important and i don't think we need that representation you know when i was in indiana as a student i remember it made a like local news um because a 
very rural um, farming community uh, uh, school had over their loudspeaker said, well, we've met the demographics, so we will be, um, uh, we will be uh, celebrating Martin Luther King's day this year in Indiana. Yeah, sure did. And so stuff like that, where I was just like, I remember being mortified and not being able to like really figure out mm -hmm. why mm -hmm. that is. And then yeah, now, I mean, when I, then I became a teacher and yeah, not and just an adult and growing up, mm -hmm. right? Because we're a, we're a product of our environment, right? Yes. If, you, mm -hmm. if you know better, you do better. And mm -hmm. uh, and knowing better is a privilege that some people in pockets of the U.S. don't have, right? Uh, if your community isn't teaching you to do better, you're not going to know to do better. Um, so yeah, it was just, it, it, I think that the, the biggest thing we can do is, is just teach children about love and acceptance and equity and, and how to be em empathetic to, um, to everyone really. And it's literally not hard. I think we have, I think it takes more work today to not be embracing of all people 100%. than to actually educate. Like it's so, people want to misuse the internet so much, but it is so if I've learned anything from my students, uh, you can Google anything and throw together an assignment last second uh, that looks great. So wh why not do that extra little bit of Googling and really educate yourselves? I mean, and we know it's just because people don't want to, but, uh, right. you know, it's I find it's oh, it's especially where I am in the South. It's so liberal to let's not just because of where in florida i am yeah. uh that it's like oh it's one of those hard lefts when when someone's just like well no and it's like what, what but why right. why why we are literally here um so there's always debates every year about you know teachers always obviously being underpaid uh being underfunded schools being underfunded what are some things that you've seen in your experience that if somebody wanted to donate, somebody wanted to make a difference to local teachers, local schools, what are some things that you find would be the best help if people wanted to give to a teacher they know, to a local school they can know, uh, whether it's money or resources, what are some things for classrooms that you think uh, teachers could particularly use more than, than they're getting? Right. So I, I think it's uh, important that we understand how we fund schools in the United mm -hmm. States, right? So um, you, we fund schools based off of the taxes of the community around them. So if you're from a very fluent area, your school's probably fine. You know what I mean? Like you probably, if your school is the one doing the coat drive, then you don't need to be providing mm -hmm. the kids with coats mm -hmm. there. So I think one, what's important is to know what schools and what classrooms are at need and to not donate to a school who doesn't need the donations. Right. Um, and that's a, that's a hard reality that I don't think a lot of educators talk about either because in our minds, every school needs this, this, and this. Babies, if you have a smart board and all you guys have alternative seating and you know you don't need it. Mm -hmm. um, if all your kids get tablets, you don't need it. Yeah. So um, I think it's important to know what schools do and then what you can do is you can sponsor a classroom you can talk to the administrators at a specific school talk to the principal see what's a need um i know that uh my first couple years of teaching the needs i had were were basic needs for my students it wasn't pencils and stuff that was taken care of but it was like coats and clothes and toothpaste and a toothbrush like it it, it, it was and you know hair cleaning products and soaps it, so i i i think that um it, it the, the the need has to one find find the need um and uh 
donations you can i mean i i think monetary donations are hard uh to give um so i think the best thing you can do is if if educators have an amazon wish list you can buy something off of their amazon wish list or you sort of go to the school and say hey is there a classroom i can sponsor oh miss barbara's fourth grade class great and then help help out that way Amazing. Amazing. So enough with the heavy things. I, I always want to, I always want to get social, get a little political because yeah. I get, you know, I, I find there's so much we can yell about in a week. Um, what are some of your favorite pop culture things that you were just consuming right now that, that are just your absolute favorite? Oh my God. Okay. Um, well, I actually, we, we just shut it off. Um, we were finishing an episode of Queer Eye. Texas, um, right? They're in Texas this time. Okay, yes, great, that, great, great. So I think we're on episode like three. So that's been that's been fun. Um, I was a die. I was so problematic. I know, but I was a diehard Sex in the City fan. Um, so I've been watching the reboot, and uh, yeah, one of me and my oh, husband's uh, friends is a writer for the for for the show. So we, okay. So we, you got to support her. So uh -huh. it was good. it was good. It was it, I I see. I don't know. I've enjoyed it. People are like really up in arms about the the transition of these characters i'm like hey mm -hmm. yo people change and sometimes they don't mm -hmm. change for the best and right so i'm enjoying it um mm -hmm. what else oh my gosh um i don't know and then i don't want to be one of those like pick me people but like i um i am really busy so i don't feel like i get enough time to listen to the news and uh -huh. so rather than listen to like music when i'm in the car i make it a point to listen to npr so i can mm -hmm. at least get um my information that way because i can't sit and watch the news i can't there's so many things i can't do and so i know it kind of sounds picky but i have no idea unless it's a TikTok song what the newest i don't know who bella porch is i don't know who i don't know who any of these people are so if it wasn't taylor swift's 10 minute um all too well song. I don't know it right now, so I can't. I can't give you any pop music stuff I'm listening to. I I always joke that unless it's a lip sync song on Drag Race right. or or it's a TikTok song, no idea. But can I tell you, I took there's the uh, little more closer song that's going on that everybody's doing the weird like sword through the stomach dance on TikTok right now. I know that. Oh, oh my God. Okay, so you have to look at. I don't. Okay. It's one of those things. It's like I never know how prolific anything is because it was like Priyanka and Lemon's song from because uh, Priyanka won Drag Race Canada and they had that song yeah. with Lemon like through that stupid verse down and I loved it. Yeah. But when you look at it, it's like oh, it only actually has like eleven thousand videos that have like a connection to it so it's like am i just in gay TikTok, or is it actually blowing is it viral right. and so a lot of times i go but it's you know i have a lot of like cute queer adjacent people like because it's this i don't know how to describe her other than she looks like Liv tyler from empire records but with the voice of florence from florence the machine and in the video she's doing this like ridiculous dance where she like poses like a flamingo and then like shante shante and then does like a thing and then like a sword through the stomach and then it's so weird but everybody's recreating it because it's so I absurd I, I i will have to send it to you it's just so it's so ridiculous but like i turned that song and then coconuts on right after it and like i only knew kim petrus from drag race before and from listening to drag race podcast but i'm very much the same way that i am a doom scroller so i try not to get my news any other yeah. way than from sources that i trust which is typically right. the npr's new york times sometimes um and so i will have to listen to them on my tune from work that way i'm not 
obsessing over it so yeah. much in a day. Uh, also, because I and find it, better to put my energy elsewhere. Also, right. Than... And it's helped because, like, I then I it's it's uh, it's a limited amount. I'm getting a lot. I mean, I the drives are here usually. I'm driving for mm -hmm. like an hour there, an hour back, mm -hmm. so I can get two hours of news. And in that two hours, most things are covered. So I don't feel like, I feel like I'm doing my due diligence of like not putting my head in the sand, but also like at the beginning of the pandemic when we weren't traveling anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Where you were sat at home. I, in the Philadelphia area, we, we were locked down from March until end of May or June. I, I can, it might've been actually June. I'm lying mm -hmm. to you, it might've been June. Um, so all you could do is, is, is doom scroll. And I remember I set up a doctor's appointment. I was like, I, I have COVID, I can't breathe. I wake up in the middle of the night, like gasping for air. Mm -hmm. And they were like, mm -hmm. yeah, you have anxiety. And I was like, yeah. oh, cool, cool. Like I thought, I'm pretty sure I was nine. Um, so like, it, it's it's weird going from that to now limiting limiting in a sense of, of what I listen mm -hmm. to, but getting the, getting the most important news each day at, at one time and then not doom scrolling for the rest because I will oh my gosh would I doom scroll like for hours and hours and then I would have to put my phone down and be shaking I'm like this is it we're well, done <laughs> you suddenly become Bernie Sanders on the other side of your phone oh, you just uh, yell at everyone you live with yep, yep. and your cats are like stop yelling at me maybe it was just my cats that was it was my cats but it, <laughs> and it was weird where I was because like we shut down for two weeks and then they were like never mind Disney must reopen so the right. world is open and the rest of us are just going please please stop I just want to no must we so oh yeah God. it's been I had the same experience where I thought I had COVID and the nurse practitioner was like all right sweetheart let's get you on some anxiety meds uh you're just very anxious that's why you're not breathing she's like stop using an inhaler every time you feel like you're gonna have a panic attack and I was like but it makes me feel better and she was like stop <laughs> let's get you right. on anxiety meds and I went okay <laughs> and uh, lo and behold did not have COVID just lifelong anxiety from uh you know being a church kid I guess uh being an overachiever <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's again I always hate talking about COVID but I feel like we always have to come back to those because right. so many of it just the world has pivotally like it is oh, pivoted yeah. the world has changed because of it and there's really kind of no way around it um Though I just because I was on your Instagram before this, I saw you audition for uh, Susical. Uh, do, do you do much uh, musical theater on the side? I do. So I actually worked at a theater. I was their hair makeup designer, and then um, wigs really not yeah. not so much hair. Although there was some hair, um, and then um, I was a choreographer for them. So I did nice. that for I think five years and then when I moved to uh I, I that's when I was in Indiana mm -hmm. and then I moved here and I thought you know um I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna work for a theater again because that was hard it was hard having a full-time job and then a part-time job but working that part-time job 30 hours a week yes <laughs> it's a lot and then show weekends were a lot and mm -hmm. you know promotional stuff and it was just it was a lot so when I moved here I said I'm just gonna do stuff on stage, and I, I'm not going to do any of the of the of the of the backstage stuff uh, this time. So I um, did, I think, three or four shows before mm -hmm. the pandemic. Um, uh, when, once I moved to Philly, mm -hmm. um, and then you know the world shut down. So um, I did a Christmas Carol this past Christmas. Uh, it's a show I've done like five times, mm -hmm. and so I didn't really feel like I was doing a, a music a, a, mm -hmm. a full blown production because I'd done it so many times. 
Um, and uh, a theater around here was doing uh, Susical, which is the dumbest show, but I am obsessed with it. I can quote it from beginning to end. But um, you can pay for the rest of your season by one run of Susical. It's why you do Susical. It's why you do Guys and Dolls. It's why you do right. Oklahoma. It's because you right. can then turn around and do the edgy new musical because right. your subscribers are going to be like, oh, well, as long as we get our Oklahoma in, it's yeah. fine. It's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> So it's their and it's their first show of their season, which is so funny. But um, yeah, so I I was like, you know, I really like Susical. Um, they they do, they're not uh, cast and based off of any gender, which is super fun. So I was like, okay, I'll try out. So I uh, I tried out yesterday. Um, I'm I uh, I'm taking a new medication for ADHD and binge eating disorder. So uh, it I don't know why, but it dries you out. So. I, I wasn't expecting to audition. Yesterday I was supposed to audition Thursday. Oh, Some mm-hmm. things came out, so I had to switch. And so I was like getting my materials around as fast as I could. And um, this medicine just like makes you forget to drink water. And so uh-huh. I had water all day. So it was like having cake frost in my mouth. So oh. I'm hugging anything I can find. I go to the audition. I'm doing fine. I, I might, mm-hmm. you know, and I, the minute I'm petrified of singing, I don't know why I do musical theater petrified of singing I go up I I go into the theater um and because of COVID and stuff like you have an audition sign up time no one else is in in the theater and I I say hi to them I had audition for them uh I did Mamma Mia with them a couple years ago and the second that I went to go like say hi and talk to them it was like I've never in my life in 30 years of my life felt the cotton mouth I had it was terrible and so, so I start singing and I can feel my lips that I had just put like smothered lip gloss on not even not even chapstick lip gloss because I knew that would stay stuck mm-hmm. to my teeth I mean it was everything was bone dry and I was like here, oh, we, go. here we go I love an audition story <laughs> um, it, 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 it surprisingly went well it didn't affect good, 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 good. But surprising mm-hmm. about the entire time I was singing I just thought my god I can feel my throat just like and yep. apart, like, and that's the, the moment the world ends. Yeah. Oh no, my my, my uh, I'm a costume designer by trade. I, I my master's that. in in costume design, so I am well versed in the world of theater. That's why when I saw that, I was like, oh, I have to ask him about that today. Uh, but also, Philly has some amazing theater. Yeah. Uh, I normally uh, actually during the summers, I'm about 40 minutes from there in the Lehigh Valley working yeah, with the musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, working with some of the colleges over there. Uh, shout out to Mielenberg and DeSales. Uh, I was actually there this summer uh, reopening uh, Philadelphia Shakespeare Festival. So yeah. Um, uh, but that King of Prussia, I kept coming over because y'all have the the Poshmark, that the, oh, are not not Poshmark is a no, oh Primark. Oh my God, not Poshmark. Uh, Primark. I was like, well, if I can't go to London, might as well go to Primark. Right. Um, but that is, oh, that is fantastic. I'm glad we're finding a way to reopen. Though all of my friends in New York that work on Broadway right now have a very different story because they are having a time of it. I just. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, uh, I heard the story of the other day that they called one of the understudies from like seven years ago for Alphaba, who like, isn't it? Computer science now. Yeah. And I, and they were like, her notes were great. I was like, you know, she sits there in her office and still sings the wizard and I every day. Oh, every every day. day. (laughs) I mean, if I'd ever played Alphaba, I would never let anyone forget it. I would be the most obnoxious about it. I would be so I would be the most (laughs) one of my favorite shows though so i can't i can't really say anything but i just want to thank you so much for your time today thank you for coming on the show um 
yeah, thank you. <laughs> Let's go through where everyone can find you online. Yeah, so um, and I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at it's at Mr. Williams Pre-K. I love that. Well, thank you again so much for being on the show. If you could give everybody just as we sign off a bit of wisdom that's kind of helped you get through the year, like just something you've uh, a mantra, something you've uh, kind of a realization you've had, just uh, something to send our listeners on their way. Um, I think it's important that uh, you find something to laugh at or about every day. A hundred percent. Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark? Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't Screen Beans until they listen to the show. Fine. Potential Screen Beans. You like movies and TV shows, right? I mean, who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives. That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed chefs, writers, costumers, musicians, yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers, folks in the film and TV industry, and more. We'd be delighted for you to join us every other Monday on the Certain POV Podcast Network. Or wherever you get your podcasts, fresh and tasty off the presses. What? But that's, no, that's not... Can I call them Screen Beans now? Fine. Screen Beans! So tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere. Because you're a whole Screen Beans now. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Sierra Killer Radio Hour. It is so lovely to be in our second year of broadcasting Saturday Morning Confidential with you. So we dropped two episodes today, the much-promised Mrs. Santa Claus episode, as well as this amazing interview with Tell. He is so wonderful. Make sure you go to follow him on all social media. We have some amazing content coming out this year that is centered around strong female leads, strong femme leads. So I hope you stay on board with us. And join us this March as we go back to Sunnydale to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's right, 20 years. So come back for a deep dive into Saturday Morning Confidential. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.